Hi everyone, welcome to The Moon in You, the podcast that's all about the moon and how you can unlock its potential to unlock your own. My name's Jonah, I'm Aussie living in South London and I'm excited that you're joining us today for this new episode on the Taurus New Moon. The last two new moons focused on the sign of Aries, which, as a quick recap, is the first of the signs of the zodiac and a fire sign, the golden ram. We're moving now into the sign of Taurus, the bull, with the new moon hitting us on the 19th of May. Taurus is ruled by the planet Venus, which we can all guess is the planet of love, and there's lots to love about this season. So, as usual, I'll start with my observations about what I see around me. One thing that's really caught my eye this season is uh, wisteria being in flower. Um, There's something very uh, magnetic about their purple and white sort of raindrop-shaped petals falling down from trellises and arches all around the city. The final tier of all the spring bulbs have also gone live, and I'm really, really impressed by the amount of iris flowers that are growing around me. They are so beautiful and perfect and unusual in their shape. Along the grassy bits, I can see that there's lots of dandelion seeds coming out. Uh, They're blowing their way across town, which is a nightmare for anyone with allergies like me. Um, And if I look up, I can see that beech trees are really starting to come into their own and uh, open up their leaves in the new sun. They've got this beautiful light green kind of leathery feel to them. And uh, they're bringing some uh, much needed shade as as the days start to get longer and hotter. If you like me and enjoy a bit of gardening, you'll also notice that quite a lot of the weeds are starting to come out and become a lot more prolific. I've noticed a lot of uh, wood sorrel and clover peeping through the cracks, which uh, part of me really doesn't like because I want to have a nice clean backyard, but the other part of me just kind of appreciates and enjoys, as do the bees, and I'm seeing a lot more of them buzzing about, which is lifting my little spirit. Something that's really quite unique about this time of year is just the strength and sound of birdsong, particularly in the morning. I've uh, downloaded this fantastic app, which is helping me to identify different birds based on their call. And I think I have a nice little family of blackbirds um, living not too far from my window. And the other day I did manage to hear the sound of a song thrush, which is, uh, yeah, just quite beautiful and special. I've managed to get out of uh, this concrete jungle for a while this month and I've noticed that out in the the sort of surrounding areas, it's blooming season for rapeseed, as you call it here. We call it canola back in Oz. And so there's these brilliant yellow fields surrounding us um, that are a real delight to to drive past or go past in a train. Uh, I've also noticed that there's wild fennel growing everywhere and starting to flower um, and yarrow as well uh, out, out in the fields. So for those of you who don't know, as I didn't, May is actually named after the goddess Maya, um, who is the Roman goddess of spring. And this month, you'll be aware, has a number of different festive days that are all about that springtime energy. The most obvious one is May Day on the 1st, uh, or Beltane, which means bright fire. Uh, and you might not know this, but the first Sunday of every May is International Dawn Chorus Day, which makes sense and um, I guess explains why I'm waking to the sounds of birds every morning. So in an agricultural sense, it's the time of year to return grazing animals to greener pastures. There's definitely romance and sort of sexual energy in the air. um, And it's probably no surprise under the sign of Taurus that bulls tend to get rowdy at this time of year too. Taurus literally means bull, which is helpful to remember. And it's one of the oldest constellations ever recorded in human history. 
they've found a painting of it uh, in a cave that's about 15,000 years old, they think, in France. And I guess that's testament to its importance and the layers and layers of stories that come with this very, very important sign. The stars that make up the constellation of Taurus shine very, very brightly in the night sky, making it one of the easiest signs to spot. I think its brilliance is one of the reasons why Taurus has such a rich cultural history and heritage around the world, and we don't have time to pay justice to all of this today. Instead, we'll be focusing on three stories, with the first one coming from ancient Sumer. The Bull of Heaven features in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the story of a king named Gilgamesh and his deeds as a noble person. Gilgamesh was a respected king and ruler of the kingdom of Uruk. The first part of this ancient epic focuses on his deeds of valour and strength, where he befriends the half-man, half-bestial person of the woods, Enkidu. There's a reason why it's called an epic, so I won't bore you with all of the detail because it goes on for a long time, but needless to say, at this point in the story, Enkidu and Gilgamesh have overcome a number of different trials and tribulations which have really forged their bond and their friendship. This bond, which many queer critics think is a little bit sus, is basically the foundation for the first half of the epic. At this point, both Gilgamesh and Enkidu are very highly respected by their people, and the townsfolk celebrate all of their good deeds as though they were gods. Ishtar, who is the dawn star and the great goddess of desire, fertility, and warfare, turned her eye to Gilgamesh, impressed by the way his people worshipped him, like a god among men. Descending from the heavens, Ishtar spoke to Gilgamesh and offered him her body and all the delights of living things. Gilgamesh, who was as learned as he was strong, knew that involving himself in the play of the gods, especially one as alluring as Ishtar, would not end well. I'd prefer to think that he was too busy occupying himself with Enkidu's company, but who am I to judge a 4,000-year-old tablet? Hashtag we have always been here. Jumping back to the story, Ishtar's standing there in all of her splendour, and Gilgamesh, for the first time in Ishtar's existence, says no. This, of course, took her back. How could the essence of beauty and desire ever be refused, especially by a mortal man? Out of spite, she muttered a curse over Gilgamesh. If he wouldn't revere her in all of her brilliance, she would turn his people against him. Ishtar, after all, was the dawn star, and she did not appreciate sharing the limelight. In a bit of a huff, she returned to the heavens and pleaded with her father, Anu, to release the bull of heaven and smite Gilgamesh and all those who supported him. Anu declined, for he knew that the second that one of the bull's hooves hit the earth, then the earth itself would quake and recoil, leading to certain famine amongst the people. Ishtar, who of course was the embodiment of the fertile earth itself, pleaded with him and said, Father, these granaries that my people have created, they have enough grain for seven years. Let me open the gate. Reluctantly, Anu finally agreed, opening the gates and sending the great bull of heaven from the sky towards the city of Uruk. Enkidu, Gilgamesh and his people immediately mobilized. They took up arms and led a battle against the beast, and against all odds, Gilgamesh and Enkidu, as a team, slayed it. Ishtar was furious. Not only did her plan fail, but now Gilgamesh was loved even more. She mobilized her own worshippers of, quote, courtesans, harlots, and prostitutes to mourn the loss of the great bull. But they were drowned out by the sounds and cheers of the rest of the kingdom, who were rejoicing at their new lease on life. Enkidu got a bit cocky during the celebrations. 
He went so far as to rip one of the legs off the bull and threw it directly at Ishtar's perfect and beautiful face. What an insult. This level of disrespect had hit a new low and had to be punished. So with a word, the fate the gods had bestowed upon Enkidu took a turn. They cursed him with a mortal sickness and his life came to an end soon after. It's the death of Enkidu that inspires Gilgamesh to pursue immortality, which is the second half of this epic that we won't go into today. The constellation of Taurus was placed in the sky to remember this great bull, whose power and might speaks of the unbridled force of nature, and whose fate speaks to the power of the human spirit. Jumping a few thousand years ahead and looking over to the Mediterranean, we also see a number of stories which are attributed to the sign of Taurus. The first is the story of Europa, whose beauty and grace caught the attention of Zeus, father of the gods. He and his exploits are various, and poor Hera, his wife, had a hard time keeping on top of his infidelities. In this story, Zeus was so enraptured by Europa's beauty that he took the form of a white bull and placed himself amongst a herd of cows to catch her eyes. He puffed his chest, he flicked his tail, and it worked. On seeing such a magnificent animal, Europa grew curious. She cautiously approached the beast, but was soon put at ease by his friendly disposition. He didn't mind her patting him at all, and even seemed happier when she adorned his neck with garlands of field daisies. He was so tame, in fact, she thought, I wonder if he would let me ride his back. He did, of course, but as soon as she was on, he bolted towards the sea, cantering quickly beyond the shore, through the shallows and into the deep waters of the Mediterranean. Terrified, Europa clung to the beast as he swam towards Crete. And when they arrived on the shore, Zeus either took on a human form and they courted, or he took on the form of a giant eagle and forced himself on her. I won't comment on which one is more true in the original tellings, but you can read between the lines there. From this and other future unions, Europa and Zeus bore three children who would become powerful leaders of the ancient world. In tellings of this story, Europa's father also sent searching parties across the ancient world to find her, establishing settlements where they went. And this is where we get Europe from. So, in this story, Taurus represents Zeus in his bull form. In another, perhaps more bizarre story, Taurus represents the story of Pasiphae, who was the wife of King Minos of Crete. To cut a long story short, Minos greatly offended Poseidon, who, out of pettiness, asked Aphrodite to do her thing and make Pasiphae lust for a particular bull in their herd. She was so mad with passion for this bull that she even mated with it, but don't ask me how or why because the story gets even more bizarre. The product of that union is none other than the half-human, half-bull Minotaur, the monster whose rage and strength terrorised the people of Crete. Both these stories are pretty problematic, but one common theme is lust. It features in all three myths, Ishtar and Gilgamesh, Zeus and Europa, Pasiphae and the bull. It's very bizarre. We see this in nature too, of course, as herd animals go about their business and the birds and the bees get busy. Looking beyond this, there's something very tangible about the bull and what it represents. For thousands of years, we've farmed cow's milk, meat and leather, so much so that they remain the centre point of religious and cultural customs today around the world, especially in places like Southeast Asia and Africa. 
bulls are very powerful beasts. They're just giant chunks of muscle. And if you've seen them in real life, you can tell immediately that they're not to be toyed with uh, and take a hint Europa. Still, we can't not be connected with them. And in many ways, they have, and in lots of cases, still continue to provide us with the bare necessities for life, food and protection from the elements. While Ares is about that initial spark and planting that seed, Taurus is really about anchoring that in the real world, taking tangible action and enjoying tangible things. It's a very sensory sign, and under the influence of Venus, teaches us to honour and care for our bodies, which are the vehicles for making things happen. Today's meditation is all about appreciating our bodies, so ahead of that, make yourself comfortable. We'll begin, as always, by drawing our attention to our breath, paying mind to the natural rise and fall of your chest, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. Repeat this, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth, letting your body naturally relax and fall into a rhythm. Now rest your consciousness in your chest, riding the wave high and low, in and out. Now slowly expand that consciousness outwards, becoming fully aware and present within your torso. Again, riding that wave of in and out. Expand that consciousness down your shoulders, up your neck, and down through your hips towards your knees. Extend it even further, reaching the furthest points of your fingers and the tips of your toes. riding that wave of breath and consciousness all the way up to the crown of your head. Be fully aware of your body and one with your skin. Feel energized by the oxygen flowing in you. and focus on the sense of touch. Now draw your attention to your feet and say within your mind, thank you feet for allowing me to walk the path of life. Now send your consciousness upwards towards your knees and say in your mind, thank you knees for teaching me reverence. 
and hold this space for a breath or two. Now send your consciousness up towards your hips and say in your head, thank you hips for allowing joyful connections. Now send that consciousness up again further into your chest and within yourself say, thank you chest for being formed in strength. Send the consciousness down your arms towards your hands and say to yourself, thank you hands, thank you arms for doing good work. Now draw your attention up further towards your lips and say thank you lips for speaking words of wisdom and kindness. Now draw your attention towards your eyes and say to yourself, thank you eyes that see the beauty in all things. Hold this space of quiet appreciation for as long as you need. And when you're ready, slowly bring your consciousness back to your outer form, to your skin, and focus again on that sense of touch. Slowly, and surely transition that consciousness from touch to your breath. Focusing again on the rise and fall of your chest to the in and out of your breath. And when you're ready to return to the waking world, Slowly open your eyes. I hope you enjoyed that and are feeling nice and present in your body and appreciative of all its quirks and wondrous flaws. So there are a number of things that you can do to really tap into that earthy Venus energy of Taurus. And the first one that I'd suggest is that you draw yourself a long hot bath. To really take advantage of the sort of sensory and sensual nature of Taurus, I'd recommend that you do things like burn some fragrant oils and throw in some salt so that you can really scrub away at your skin. Remember, Taurus, among many things, is a sign that's all about touch and grounding yourself. So make sure to take advantage of that opportunity this month. The second thing I'd recommend that you do is make sure to take some time to do a good spring clean. Taurus, as an earth sign, does speak of home and heart, and they do say that cleanliness is next to godliness. Although you might be a bit reluctant after that story of Zeus and Europa, but hey. And the final thing that I'd recommend you do, which is probably the most important one, 
is to use this opportunity and this energy to build a new habit. And I'd suggest that it focuses on self-care. It could be something as simple as making sure to moisturize every day or, you know, checking yourself and make sure that you're doing your flossing. Could be putting on makeup. It could be a meditation practice. Just make sure to take some time for you and make sure that you use the energy of this season to really bring about the changes that you want to see in your life this month. And that brings us to an end of the Taurus New Moon session. So I'll be back next month when we dive into the sign of Gemini, and I'm looking forward to having you then. Bye. Bye.